If you've been watching your WhatsApp, Andrew's just texting. He's in London tonight for a, for a meeting for his job. So that's why he's not with us tonight. So he's, he's just saying he's thinking about us in our prayers. But one matter for prayer that has come to light now that Amu and Rana have given us their news. Um, you, you may not know, you may do know that since their arrival, they've been coming out on the streets with me to work with the homeless people. We started on the Sunday night, but uh, Amu and Rana were not content with Sunday night. They felt that Saturday night would be a better night. So for the last number of months, we've been going out on a Saturday night with the Barrows doing the homeless work. Um, boy, I'm going to miss you guys. Um, and so I don't know how that will continue on my own, to be quite honest, because that works now, quite a rowdy work, uh, a difficult work, and um, so please pray that the Lord will send somebody to replace them, would you? That would be a help to me, because it would be a shame if that work would, would come to an end under those circumstances. So pray for that. We're starting number five of my series on the person and work of the Holy Spirit, and we have only begun to start and scratch the surface. Did Uzi's telling me I've got one more? So I'm going to give you some homework. One of the things we were talking about is that the Holy Spirit of God, we, we saw last week, we'll just review it in a minute, we saw that the Holy Spirit of God is working everywhere in the Bible. Worked right at the beginning, he, he worked all through the Old Testament, he worked in the life of the Lord Jesus, he had that special introduction in the Acts of the Apostles, his ministry is there through the... Um, through the epistles and right at the end of our book, uh, the Bible, right at the end of the Bible, the last chapter, it says about the coming of the Lord, the Spirit and the Bride say, come. And so the Holy Spirit's work is peppered right through the Bible. And that's why it is such an enormous subject. So when we come to our generation, and one of the things we were saying is that we live in the special generation of the work of the Spirit. The Spirit of God never worked in the way that he works now prior to the coming of the Lord Jesus, matter of fact prior to the Pentecost. And he works in the church age, if you like, in a very special and unique way. And when the Lord comes and takes the church out of the world, the Holy Spirit will be taken out of the world with the church and there'll be another type of operation in the world that will have not have the restraint of the Spirit. So this is probably, well, it's not probably, this is the best time to live on earth when the Lord is preaching the gospel by the word of God and by the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God's active in the world, in the church, in the believers and in the word of God. And we've got the word of God and the Spirit and we are the most privileged people that have ever lived on earth. I really believe that. And when we're a member of the church, which is his body, that is every Christian, wherever they meet or whatever they do, we're in a, a very privileged position that nobody else knows anything about. The bride of Christ, the body of Christ, all those things are the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, the Lord indicated that primarily in the upper room ministry, 13, 14, 15, 16 of John's Gospel. So if you want to just get a hold of what the Lord Jesus said the Spirit of God would do you need to read John's Gospel the Upper Room Ministry and we'll read a bit of that in a minute if you want to see how the Holy Spirit began his work of building his church it's the Acts of the Apostles isn't it 
a matter of fact, the Acts of the Apostles is not a, a divine title, it's just the name that somebody gave to the book. You could equally call that book the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles, couldn't you? Because it's the prominence of God's Holy Spirit through that chapter that we'll see, and we'll read a verse or two from that tonight. If you want to read about the Christian life and the victory of the Holy Spirit of God, Romans 8 would be the big chapter of that. So you want to go to the book of Romans and read, if you're thinking about your personal life and the victory over sin and the world and the flesh and, and how to live a victorious Christian life, Romans 8's got a lot of the keys to that there. Galatians 5, that we studied on a Sunday morning, you know what that's all about? That's all about the fruit of the Spirit and how that when the Spirit works in a person's life, it's not it's not about things that they do. It's about a character that they become. The Spirit of God works not to do things through us, although he will, but he works to change character in us, and the fruit of the Spirit is, and you know, you know those things. Ephesians 5 will be the key passage about what's called the filling of the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And the next time I do it, number 6, if it's the last one you're going to give me, we're going to look about specifically about what the Bible teaches about the baptism of the Spirit and the filling of the Spirit. What does the Bible teach about those two truths? Because they're talked about an awful lot these days. But what is the biblical teaching about the baptism of the Spirit and the filling of the Spirit? And that's what we'll look at in the next, next session more specifically. If you want to see the function of the Spirit, really you're looking at 1 Corinthians, really between chapter 12 and 14, and that's talking about the gifts of the Spirit and the function of the Spirit amongst believers. And I'll say this because we may not get time to cover it. The purpose of writing 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14 about the functioning of the Spirit was not because they were doing it properly. It was because they were doing it wrong. And he doesn't write to tell them how they should be working. He's telling them how they shouldn't be working. He's telling them about things that they were doing that they shouldn't be doing. And those passages are not so much instructional passages as correctional passages. Because these people were going into excesses and blaming the Spirit of God for it. Now, now, this is just an aside before we read the scripture. Deruzzi knows more about this than me, but I've been in Africa for the last few years and I've had a very, very little experience of African witchcraft, folks, right? And it's very common. I mean, it's just as natural as an African culture as you going to the supermarket, isn't it, Deruzzi? And I mean, he, he knows a lot more about it than I do. I have, however, over a number of years, examined the renewal works of the Holy Spirit in the Western culture. And it is amazing how similar the Western culture of the spiritual activity of the Holy Spirit is to the African culture of witchcraft. It's quite amazing because there's people that dispense the Holy special vehicles for the Holy Spirit. In African culture, he's called the witch doctor, right? Then you go to special people to get special prayer. And this man's got, or this woman's got special anointing for special prayer to be a channel of the Spirit. And you go to him for special prayer, and in the African culture, that's called a spell. That's called a spell. 
And then you get people who sprinkle stuff on you or anoint you with special oil or, or they'll bring oil along to the meeting and, and they'll come to the front and put their hands on you. And do you know what that's called? That's called charms in African culture. And the parallels between the modern charismatic movement, if you like, and witchcraft is absolutely astonishing. And I hope to do it. I'm not exaggerating that. And as the more you see that culture, the more you understand there's a darkness associated with that. And all they're doing is actually taking witchcraft and putting Christian vocabulary on it. It's, just, it's just astonishing. It's been a frightening thing for me to discover. And I've seen it. People walking on people. Uh, people lie down to let people walk on them. And that's what the witch doctor does. And they all wear special clothes, with, and they've got a, they've got these handkerchiefs that they wave over people, and and are, are they are they touch people with it? And that's just witchcraft. They they, they hang things up and they take. I, I'm astonished. And that's First Corinthians was written to say, listen, folks, you've got it all wrong. This is the way the spirit works. This is the way the spirit works. So, let's read the scripture and see if we can glean some things, general things about his work today. We're going to read first of all in John's Gospel in chapter number 16. Because one of the things I want to show you tonight is that in this day and generation that we live in, the Holy Spirit functions in different ways, in different spheres, right? So he works in the world. Right? He does that world out there, whether we think it or not, is under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. If it wasn't, we would be a million times worse than we are just now. If God wasn't restraining sin by his Holy Spirit now, this world would sink into the abyss almost instantaneously. And that's what will happen in the tribulation. Isn't it? We, we, we know that. So the Holy Spirit will work in the world. The Holy Spirit then works in the, in the church. And we've been going through 1 Corinthians. The local church is what? The temple of the Holy Spirit of God. So you, you go your mind away back to the Old Testament. You see the tabernacle and you see the temple. And you see the glory coming down. And the Lord dwelling amongst these people on the Shekinah glory over the ark. And that entity is God's dwelling place on earth. And God works through his people through that dwelling place on earth. And the local church, the church universal, true, but the local church is that entity now, isn't it? There's not a tabernacle, there's not a temple, there's not a, there's not a, a cathedral that we go to. It's a, it's a spiritual body, it's a spiritual building, isn't it? And then the Christian, the Holy Spirit works in very special ways in the individual life of every believer. There's things the Holy Spirit does for you personally. In a very special and intimate way, you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. You, you know, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, you can grieve the Holy, all those sort of things. So we're going to see that as we go. So let's read First John chapter sixty, and we'll see the seeds of this church, world, individual, and the teaching of the Lord Jesus. These things have I spoken unto you that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Ye, the time cometh when whoever killeth you will think that he doth God a service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, ye remember that I told you of them. 
And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me. So now I go my way to him that sent me. The Lord's thinking about the cross, the burial, the resurrection, and 40 days later, the ascension. So that's what the Lord means by the. Uh, but now I go my way to Him that sent me. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a path that He's treading. And none of you asketh me whether goest thou, but I, because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Can you imagine those disciples' feelings when the Lord said, "I'm going away and leaving you alone"? How did you feel when Amos said he was going to London? Eh? Right? Multiply that a million times with the disciples and the Lord Jesus. But look what he says. But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. Now, I don't know what your Bible says. Um, have I left my... What have I done with my iPad? Did I leave my iPad? And, um, sorry. I was going to read another translation to you of it. But when we use the word expedient today, what we mean is it's necessary. It's a force of circumstances. There's no other alternative. It's expedient, right? But this word doesn't mean um, it's, it's been forced on me. This word is actually, it's better. So the Lord's saying, it's better for you that I go away. Can you imagine that? I mean, do you think it's going to be better for us because Amu and Rana are going to be, right? No. I mean, that was what my heart sunk when he said that, quite, quite honestly, right? Okay, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, brother, but you know, you know the feeling you get when that... Imagine the Lord Jesus saying to his disciples, they've pinned their hopes in him. He's the Messiah. He's the one. And he says, I'm leaving you alone. I'm going away. And he says, actually, it's better for you if I go away. How can it be better for them not to have the personal presence of the living Lord Jesus amongst them, God with them? How can it be better for them? He says that. He says, okay. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So the reason it's better is they will have the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. So what's the Lord Jesus teaching? He's teaching that the times when he's in heaven and the Holy Spirit is here on earth are better times than when he was here on earth himself. <laughs> that, that just, how can that be? That we are actually, you know, I've often said, we're going to Israel in, 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 um, uh, in November and Norma was there with us a couple of years ago. And it was thrilling. I mean, it doesn't make you any more spiritual. It doesn't, honestly. But, you know, you walk where the Lord walked. You sailed on the sea where the Lord sailed. And, you, and you, you, you get to your imagining in your head what it would have been like to be there when the Lord Jesus was there. And the Lord's saying, you know, that was fair enough. But actually, you folks now that are living are in a better position than these people were when I was here. The work of the Holy Spirit is magnificent, folks. And he says, when he has come, Pentecost, the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, he will reprove the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment, 
of sin because they believe not in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and see them no more, of judgment because the prince of the world is judged. So the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to do something in the world. And you know what it is? Reprove the world of sin and righteousness and in judgment. How does a person ever come to understand they need to be saved? Hmm? How does a person ever come to understand that sin is serious, that they're facing judgment, and that they need a saviour? How does a person come to understand that? Do they come to understand that because they go and hear a fancy preacher? Well, thank God for preachers, eh? Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. How shall they hear without a preacher? But it's only when the Holy Spirit of God works in a person's life that they come to understand those things. It's God's spirit that brings them to that. So folks, when we pray, we pray for the preacher who preaches because he's the mouthpiece, right? But we need more than the preacher, don't we? We need the Holy Spirit of God to be working in the hearts of the people that come. And we think of Norman Leslie's family. This and these two ladies, Hannah and, and, and Kath, that have just been coming. We want them under the sound of the word, but we want something bigger for them than that, don't we? We want the Holy Spirit working in their life so that they'll understand and their, eye, their eyes will be opened. So the Holy Spirit's at work in the world. And I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. How be it? When the, when the Spirit of truth will come, he will guide you into all truth so this is not the world this is believers now and it's true corporately and it's true individually the Holy Spirit will guide you into all what experience feelings he will guide you into all truth God's Holy Spirit can neither be commandeered or commanded. God's Spirit does not come at our bidding. God is the sovereign God who chooses to work as He works. Nobody can commandeer the Spirit of God for their own ends. Do you know? And I hope you, you are thinking I'm critical and grumpy. I know you are, but these are things that are just that are so commonly accepted these days. I saw an advert on Facebook for. Holy Spirit Thursday. Come on Thursday and the Holy Spirit will come down. Bishop so and so will bring the Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is not commandeered. And he's not commissioned and he's not commanded. Because he will guide us into all truth. He's the sovereign God. And God's Spirit's primary importance is to make us aware of God's truth. Where is God's truth? Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. The Holy Spirit will guide into the truth of the Holy Scriptures. And we see that many, many places where we could give you examples of that. The Holy Spirit will never take you to a place that the word of God um, prohibits. We'll never do that. The Holy Spirit will never encourage you to do something that the Word of God commands you not to do. The Word of God will only ever bring you into obedience and conformity to the Word of God. 
You remember the man that built his house in the rock? Remember that story? Remember that story that the Lord told about the man in the house and the sand and the house in the rock? The man that builds the house in the rock is the man that does what? Hears the word of God and obeys it. You see the guiding all truth? The guiding all truth is not just an understanding of facts in your head. It's an understanding of practicing it in your life. And so the Holy Spirit will never say, somebody's doing something that's against the word of God. The Holy Spirit told me to do it. But it's, it's prohibited in the word of God. So either the word of God's wrong or the Holy Spirit's wrong. They can be. I remember, again, talking to somebody that indulged in a practice that was not according to the word of God. And we, I love the dear sister. I mean, I love her. She's a dear sister. I love her. And she's a godly sister. And she was doing this thing. And I said to her, would you show me where it is in the Bible, please? Uh, no, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't show you where it is in the Bible. I just know it feels good and it works. But it's not in the Bible. The Holy Spirit doesn't guide us into feel good and it works. He guides us into all truth. And not only the understanding it in our head, but the practice of it in our life. And if we're practicing things that are not according to truth, do you know what the Holy Spirit wants to do? He wants to guide us back into the truth. It's his, it's his purpose to, to move us away from error and into truth. Now, folks, what one of us don't need correction? Yeah. I stood in it, sorry. What one of us don't need correction? What one of us don't have error in our life? Every single one of us. Isn't that right? So we all need the Holy Spirit of God to guide us into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself. We talked about that, remember, in the first week. You know that his purpose is to glorify Christ. He shall not speak of himself. Now, that does not mean he won't communicate truth about himself. Because the whole the scripture's inspired by the Spirit of God and it teaches us things about the Spirit. So it doesn't mean that he'll never teach us truth about himself. What it means is he won't be the subject of the, of the, of the, the conversation. He won't be the centre of attention. He won't be the one that's preeminent and prominent. He'll, well, let's keep on there, say... But whosoever, whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, Christ. So the Holy Spirit won't be the centre of attention. It won't be the big thing. It won't be Holy Spirit Thursday. It would be much better if they'd say, Lord Jesus Thursday, wouldn't they? That would be a better thing to say. Coming to Lord Jesus Thursday. But they don't want Lord Jesus Thursday. They want Holy Spirit Thursday. Because things will happen and people will fall about and strange things will happen and, and, and it'll be sensational, it'll be a good feeling and people will go away home on a high and wake up the next morning as flat as a pancake. Because that's the way it works, isn't it? We're all emotional characters. And I don't know about you, but the higher my emotion is, the lower I fall the next day. And the more you're hyped the more you're disappointed. Holy Spirit never works like that. So, let me just do a couple of things and then we'll show a couple of slides. The Bible must be our first and final guide. We, we know that. I've talked a bit about mistaken identity, witchcraft, or the Holy Spirit's work. Well, there's so much ident you know, so much similarity between the witchcraft and this type of movement that it's almost easy to identify what it is. It's closer to that than it is to this. 
There's no question about that. And when you see it firsthand and you see it mixed, again, to speak to Doozy Hilton about it, there are people going to church on a Sunday and visiting the witch doctor on a Monday. And the witch doctor's coming and telling them that if they don't do this, their, their, their auntie will die. Or if their auntie does die, they're going to church because they believe that somebody's put a spell on them and they want the, the pastor to, to break the spell with his spell. And it's, it's, the, the identity's so, so obvious, isn't it, really? Anyway, we talked about God being the God three in one, the Holy Spirit's eternal and equal. We did that last week. That was showing that the, work, the Spirit of God was at work, anchored in the Bible. And this is just some of the verses. Here's some big things. Number one, the Father is the source of all good. Isn't that right? The Father is the source. The Son is the Saviour. He's the one that the Father sent to be the saviour of the world. The Holy Spirit is the agent. So the Father's the source, the Son is the saviour, and the Spirit is the agent by which God works. That, that's just a kind of bonafide. fun. And through the individual, all three work together for one end. What is the end? It's all for the glory of God. The Spirit of God works through you and me to glorify God in our life. And if we miss that, we miss everything. We miss everything. Some of you know, I read a lot of Puritan stuff, the Westminster Confession of Faith and all that sort of stuff. Folks, if you read stuff, enjoy the good stuff and throw out the stuff you don't agree with, you will never fully agree with everything somebody has written. You'll always find something wrong. And if you quote somebody, it doesn't mean you endorse everything that they ever taught. You know, if I quoted an author, it means what he wrote was good, but maybe he wrote something at another time that wasn't good, so I'm not saying everything he's written is good. The Westminster Confession of Faith says this, what is the chief end of man? Now this is not just Christians, this is every man. Man's chief end is to feel good, is to be rich, is to be happy, is to be comfortable. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And that world doesn't glorify God. The stuff that's getting pushed on us this month, folks, is just horrendous. Grieving to anybody that knows the truth of the word of God. That world will not glorify God. But God can take you and me and he can pick us out of that world and he says, look, there's somebody. Do you know what I'm going to do with you? I'm going to use you to glorify me. I'll use you to glorify me in the home. I'll use you to glorify me at work. I'll use you to glorify me in studies. I'll use you to glorify me in the bus. I'll use you to glorify me at work. I'll use you to glorify me in the church. I'll use you to glorify me. In I'll use you to glorify me. And the way we do that is through the agency of the Holy Spirit. It's only as God's Holy Spirit works in us. Why? Look at the time. Because rules don't change people. Now rules are good. The Bible's full of instructions and things that we observe. Isn't that right? Commands that we observe. Rules don't change people. The grace of God changes people. 
And the Spirit of God brings a new heart into people. And it's only when a new heart is in people by the Spirit of God that we're fitted to glorify God the way we should. You can observe all the rules without a new heart. You know that? This whole religion, if you, I'm going to Canada next Wednesday, I could take you to Amish's and I could take you to, to Hutterites and they, they live by a very strict set of rules, right? They, they don't have televisions, they don't have radios, they, they've, got no, they've got no bank accounts, they eat together, they share everything, they've got none, nothing, and they live by a very strict set of rules. But you know what? Their heart is as hard as stone because they know nothing of the grace of God. And the grace of God comes through the Spirit of God. So here's here's the three things. God's spirit works in these four spheres in different ways. Sorry, I've mucked it up again. Sorry, Tracy. He works in the world, and we're so thankful. I mean, you've heard me talk about it. You've heard me pray about it. What's happening? June is a very special month as far as the world's concerned. And I saw something on the BBC News tonight that made my blood boil and my flesh creep and what's happening. And it's horrendous what the kids have been exposed to at school. Isn't it, folks? Just horrendous, right? But think what would happen if the Holy Spirit were God wasn't restraining. It would be even, even worse. It's only because the Spirit of God is at work in the world that there's any hope for people in the world. Because when the Holy Spirit goes, there'll be no hope for people in the world. But then he works amongst the church universal. Ephesians 4, for example, he gives gifts to the church, right? And he doesn't mean gifts to Bencham Gospel Hall. He means gifts to the body of Christ universally. And there are people who have a ministry that goes wider than just the local church. Isn't that right? There's people that are fitted to go to other places and help other people with that. God's Spirit works in the local church. That's in Bencham. And if we pray for Bencham, we should be praying that the Holy Spirit will be working amongst us. And I don't just mean to see people saved. To change us. To build us up. We're built up a holy... And then he works in me. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. The filling of the Spirit. The end result. There's a plan. There's a plan. God's plan. Finish with this, folks. If you go to uh, up to Gosforth and somebody says, "Who's the Doozy Tumor?" and they'll say, "He's your chief accountant, right? He's your chief accountant." That's what they'll call him. He's the chief because he will be the chief accountant up there, right? Okay. If you go down to wherever he lives down here and you say to uh, Sharon, "Who's the Doozy Tumor?" and she'll say, "He's my husband. He's my husband." If you say to me, who's the doozy tumour? I'll say, he's my twin brother. Right? The same person, but different titles indicate different roles that he has. Right? Okay? So you go through your Bible and you look at the different titles that are given to the Holy Spirit of God. Right? Okay? The Spirit of Holiness. There's, there's all sorts of names that are called this Spirit. What is the most common title for the Spirit of God? The one that characterises his main work. The Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means that his primary work is to represent the holiness of God. That's what he does. Be ye holy, the Lord said, 
for I am holy. What does the holiness of God mean, folks? You want to know? Read Isaiah 6. Read Isaiah 6. I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and they said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Isaiah is in the presence of the holiness of God. What does he do? Well, what does he do? Does he fly about? Jump around? Do you know what he says? He says, Oh, woe's me, for I am a man of unclean lips. He says, I'm not even going to speak. And God takes a, an angel takes a coal from off the altar and touches his lips and says, You're cleansed. You can speak for me now. The holiness of God does not fly us around. It brings us down. It brings us down. So the Spirit of God, number one, will represent the holiness of God and bring the holiness of God. But number two, he will work in us to produce holiness. Peter, first Peter. Tough, tough stuff for Christians in first Peter. Do you know what he says? Be holy, for I am holy, saith the Lord. And you're away back into Leviticus, and you're away back into those passages where the priests are taken and anointed specially and set aside for God. All those separation type of idea. Be holy, for I am holy. And you'll discover this. The presence of the Lord always brings holiness. Always does. An example, you know the example, don't you? Moses comes to the burning bush. He sees a, a bush that burns and is not consumed, and he looks at it uh, and he has no idea what's happening. And a voice comes and says, "Moses, take your shoes from off your feet, for the ground on which you stand is holy ground." God comes and brings holiness into that place. Again, please. I want to be as practical as I can. See if we gather together in the name of the Lord and we really believe that when we're gathered together the Lord is amongst us. This is a holy place, folks. I don't mean the chairs have been washed and, and some has been... It's just God is here and it's a holy place. You don't... You should be joyful and rejoice and all those things, but it's not a place that you can just throw aside all restraint and do what you like. This is not a performance place. This is a place of holiness, isn't that right? But God's Holy Spirit not only brings holiness. Do you know what God's Holy Spirit does? He demands holiness. He demands holiness. Psalm 24. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands. Do you know what that means? That means outwardly we need to be right. Folks, we just can't live as we like and then just come and expect to turn holiness on when we walk through the front door. But we do it. I, I do it all the time. We're going to the meeting, we better get ourselves all pulled together, you know. <laughs> he that hath clean hands. When we go into the presence of the Lord, we must have clean hands. So Paul says to Christians in 1 Corinthians 11, you want to break bread? You want to break bread? You don't just sworn up on a Sunday morning and say, I'm a Christian, I have, a, I have an entitlement to break bread. Do you know what he says? Well, a man examine himself first. 
Make sure there's nothing in your life that would be a defilement between you and God. Now that doesn't mean stay away. It just means if there is something, sort it out. That's what he's saying. He's not saying examine yourself and stay away. He's saying examine yourself, sort it out and still come. That's the point. So many people say, I don't feel fit to break bread. Well, okay. Deal with it and then come and break bread. Don't, don't, don't stay like that. That's who shall ascend to the hell of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands. More to it than that though, isn't it? And a pure heart. That hath not lifted up his soul to iniquity. We trivialise so much the things of God, don't we? And God's spirit's purpose amongst us. The end result is to glorify God and his holiness. So next week, or next, not next week, but next time I take it, I'm going to look at the baptism of the Spirit and the filling of the Spirit. Are they different? Are they the same? What happens? Does anything happen? We need to, we need to be sure that we're understanding what the Bible teaches about those things rather than just what everybody says about them. So I mean, the Lord bless his word tonight. Lord, we're grateful for... The word helps us so much and it challenges us, Lord. We're rebuked so often by thy word and feel there's so much about us that needs correction and adjustment. So much that we have to go home and think about and pray about and yet we forget it so easy, Lord. And the devil comes with the birds of the air and snatches away the good seed from our mind, just the same as he does it from the lives of the people that hear the gospel. We're so conscious of that. And so we pray that by thy gracious Holy Spirit, he might be free to work in us, through us, that we might be in a condition that we don't grieve him or quench him, and that we may see glory for God in our lives, in our families, in our assemblies. And yea, Lord, maybe even in our nation one day as well. That would be wonderful, Lord. So we're thankful and just pray for thy blessing. We're thankful for a little refreshment. We give thanks in the Lord's name. Amen.